Welcome to the Beacon broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com, beaconbaptist.com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. In the final two verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul lists a series of sins that he wants to have corrected in the Corinthian church before he comes to visit them again. And that, I think, would be his third visit at least. He says, I'm coming. I'm preparing to come and visit you. I will do this as a follow-up to the letter that I'm now writing to you, but I'm going to give you some time between the time you receive the letter and read it absorb it, apply it to your own life, and then get busy to work on the things that need to be worked on that are mentioned in this epistle. I'm going to give you time to get those things straightened out so that when I come, we can have a friendly time, a happy time, a blessed time, an encouraging time, because if these things don't get straightened out, then when I come, we're going to have a tense time. We're going to have a difficult time. We're going to have a time of conviction. We're going to have a time of some some uh, sorrow and disappointment and anger and difficulty in dealing with things, and, and particularly in being confronted by myself, the Apostle Paul, in areas that you should have taken care of yourself and haven't, and so now you're forcing me to confront you about them, and that's not going to be a very happy visit. So when I come, I want to find you in the or in the shape, in the order, in the state, I guess I should say, that, that, uh, that I hope to find you in, in, in good shape, the, the kind of condition that you'll want to be in on the day of the Lord's return, who could come at any moment. And you'll want to find me coming to you in, in a cheerful, encouraging way. And I will, if you get these things straightened out. And that's why I'm giving you time to do it. I write the letter, give it time after the after delivery, take some time for it to be transported by by foot and by hand until it gets to you. And then it'll take some time for you to read it and deal with it. And then I'll come so that we can have a wonderful time, because if you don't deal with it, it's not going to be such a wonderful time. And here are some of the things I want you to be aware of that I'm looking for, that I'm concerned about. And he gives a list in verse 20 and a shorter list in verse 21. And these are things that the Corinthians needed to address in their lives and in their church. And these are things that we need to address in our lives and in our churches. So back to this list, or these two lists, as it may be better to identify them. On this Thursday, September, no, November, <laughs> wow, September's way behind us. On this Thursday, November 9, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you so much for being mindful of our financial needs to pay the bills to stay on this station. All right, what is the list? Here it is. Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, 
selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. That's verse 20. And then in verse 21, uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness. Well, we've been working our way through the list. It apparently is a pretty important list, a sampling. It's, it's not a complete list of all the things that may be wrong in their lives or in ours. But if we'll work on these, I think we'll make some real progress toward godliness. I think we'll make some real progress toward sanctification in our lives. So work on those contentions those divisions, those hard feelings, those arguments, those things that cause you to not want to speak to certain people and not want to, to, you know what I'm talking about. I can't think of anybody in this category right now as I'm speaking these words, thankfully, but I can think of a number of times when in our church there were certain people who I know, were avoiding me. They didn't want to talk to me. If we happened to pass in the hall, they would look the other way. Now, when something like that's going on, you know something's wrong. You may or may not know what it is, but you know something's wrong. That shouldn't be that way. We should not have that happening in a church. You shouldn't have that going on between you and anybody in the church, and and even outside the church, but especially in the church. Now, it's true, we can't always control what other people think and do, but we have a responsibility to do everything we can. The Bible says, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. That tells us of our responsibility, but it also tells us of... The reality, it's a very practical statement because it is true when there's a problem between two people, both of them have to be willing to work on the solution. One person can't solve the problem totally by himself. It takes the two people between between whom there is a problem. If there's somebody you aren't speaking to or you find difficulty speaking to, you have to to force yourself to be cordial to them because that's not what you want to be. If you find yourself trying to avoid certain people, looking the other way, I've seen people, again, in years gone by, that actually would cross over a street and, and to the sidewalk on the other side to avoid having to greet or acknowledge other people. Is that sort of thing going on in your life? Is that sort of thing going on in your church? Deal with it. Contentions. And what else? Jealousies, and that's the one we've been camping on. What is the solution to the jealous feelings that we have toward other people? Well, I've already mentioned a few things in the broadcast yesterday. We've got to acknowledge that God has the right to give more to one person than another. There's nothing immoral about that. The fact that our society acts like it is, is not necessarily an indication that that's the truth, is it? Read your Bible. Consider what the Bible says. And as I pointed out yesterday, the Bible indicates that not only on earth does God say there will be poor people and rich people. Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. Well, Jesus, don't you know that if we would have enough social programs, that, that there wouldn't be any poor people. We could eliminate poverty if we have big enough poverty programs. Not according to Jesus. He said, the poor you will have with you always. You see, the 
the cause of poverty is not always lack of opportunity. The cause of poverty is not always racial discrimination. The cause of poverty isn't always things that are beyond the control of individuals. Sometimes it is. I'm not saying that all poverty is caused by things that are in our control, but a lot of things are. A lot of poverty is. Just a lack of personal responsibility, discipline, work ethic, and so forth. Sometimes it's a matter of choice. People who choose to pursue a life of drinking and philandering rather than a, a disciplined life of hard work. People who choose to go down the road of drugs. And I know, I know it's a very uh, dangerous thing and a very, very addictive thing. And sometimes people get trapped in it. In fact, I, I would suggest that when this happens, when people get completely addicted to drugs or alcohol, they've always gotten trapped in it, but they didn't get trapped in it if they hadn't made the choice to start down the road. It just took them in a direction that they weren't expecting. It took them farther than they thought they were going to go. But they have to accept some responsibility for this. It's not all the fault of the doctors. It's not all the fault of Big Pharma. It's not all the fault of the drug dealers. It's not all the fault of who you name who though there certainly is plenty of fault there to be shared, and God knows. God knows in every case, every person who is responsible in any way. Sometimes these things are caused by multiple reasons, multiple factors, and God knows every one of them, but will you start by taking responsibility for the part that's yours and deal with that? If you will, you'll be making a good start toward overcoming this. So we need to realize that economic disparity is not society's fault in every case. Not that there's everything right in society. No, we're in a broken world under the curse with every single person who lives in this world being a sinner. So of course there are things that are wrong. There are many things that are wrong. Many, 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 many things that are wrong. And will not become right completely until every heart is right with God and fully sanctified. Even Christians are not fully sanctified, so even Christians, though redeemed sinners, still are sinners. So no, you, you can't make all these things right. What you've got to do is learn to deal with them biblically. And if there are if there's poverty that is in part caused by irresponsibility, then take responsibility for those that part and deal with it and see what happens. But above everything else, what you must do is decide in your heart that you are not going to resent what others have. You are going to be thankful for what you have, whatever it may be, you are going to acknowledge God is the sovereign ruler of this universe, and he distributes to each person as he wills. It's according to his choice. And we accept what God gives, and what he gives today may be different from what he gives tomorrow. He may have a meager supply for you today, and he may have a generous supply for you tomorrow, but it's his choice. If he gives you a meager supply, he'll give you the, the grace to deal with that. How many times have I heard people say, 
We grew up poor, but we didn't know it. We didn't know we were poor. Haven't you heard that? I've heard that. I've said that. Now, I can't say that I grew up in poverty, even though my father grew up on a farm and might have been considered in poverty in our day. I don't know. It's hard to, hard to project backward to that. My mother didn't. She had a, her father was a, a businessman, not a wealthy, wealthy businessman, but, but a businessman who made a good living. So she didn't grow up in, in, in uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. But my father did at times, at least, living on that farm. But and, 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 to, and when I'm speaking of myself, I must say that my father had good jobs most, most of my life, but there were times, I can remember a time when he got laid off. And you know what he did? My dad, who had been a businessman, had, had managed a successful factory in the town where we lived and, you know, wore a suit and tie to work and, and uh, made enough money that my, my mother could stay home and be a stay-at-home mom with the kids. And then my dad lost his job. So what did he do? He actually went down to the railroad yard where they loaded boxcars, and he loaded boxcars just to earn a little bit. I'm sure it was not one-fourth of what he was earning before. But he didn't sit around and say, I've been laid off. You've got to help me. He said, I've been laid off. I'm going to do everything I can. And he did. He did what he could, and God supplied. So, yeah, we went through periods when things were pretty poor, but I cannot say that I ever felt that I was poor. My wife was an MK, a missionary kid. There were times when things were pretty meager, in fact, a lot of times, but she never felt like she was poor. It's really a matter of attitude. Get rid of this jealousy. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.